Welcome to the Choosify radio podcast. We view the concept of financial independence as a life optimization strategy that helps you crush the game using a mixture of conventional and unconventional methods. My name is Jonathan Mendonza, a pharmacist pursuing financial independence, and my co-host's name is Brad Barrett, a CPA turned entrepreneur who reached financial independence through diligent savings and online business ventures. We host a twice a week show on Mondays and Fridays that focuses on living below your means, creating multiple income streams, straightforward investment strategies, tax optimization hacks, and travel rewards. This is what winning looks like. Welcome to the show. You're listening to Choose FI Radio. The blueprint for financial independence lives here. If you're looking to unlock the secrets to financial independence and early retirement, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and join a community of like-minded people who are getting off the hamster wheel and taking control of their lives in the pursuit of financial independence. Choose FI, your home for financial independence online. Welcome. This is the Choose FI Radio Podcast. Today, we're going to be sharing an episode that we had with Ryan Carson from Treehouse, who you can find over at teamtreehouse.com, highlighting the incredible value of coding as a skill and as a career path for someone in the FI community. Brad, this particular episode, it was shocking to me what a blind spot it was and how relevant it is to the audience that we're serving with this podcast. Yeah, I really love this episode. It was an eye-opener. It was a, a paradigm-shifting episode where we know in the FI community that there are potential issues with the expense of college, the opportunity cost of spending four years of your life there, and coming out with potentially no job or no real discernible skills to get a job. That is a major issue for second-generation FIRE. So we went out and we're lucky to get in touch with Ryan Carson and this work that they're doing at Treehouse is they are looking at coding, computer coding as a trade job. And it's something that doesn't need a four-year degree. It needs skills that you can prove that you have accumulated, right? And then you stack them on top of each other and you have a base for a computer coding career going forward that you can literally prove to your potential companies that, hey, I can do this. Here's my portfolio in essence. And that's really neat to me. And the beautiful part is they've taken this and cut off 98% of the cost of a college degree. And they've really changed the game. They've made it so, hey, the proof is in the pudding. Sign up for this. You're only going to pay like $25 a month and you're going to learn And we're going to show you that this is legitimate, that our graduates have gone on to significant coding jobs, making 50 some odd thousand dollars right out of the gate from just getting these skills. And to me, again, that is just such a cool way to look at a problem, which is the expense and the time for college and actually doing something about it. And I think what's going to come through in this episode is that one, we're going to identify a problem. And then two, Ryan has a solution and it's an extraordinarily affordable and viable option. So I'm incredibly excited to present this. And yeah, Ryan, welcome to the show. Honored to be here. Thanks so much, guys. 
So, you know, we kind of set this up ahead of time for our audience to tell them a little bit about Team Treehouse, but this came on my radar very recently and and my mind was blown. And the more I find out about it, the more excited I get in that this is what disrupting education actually looks like and taking it from a bloated model that has questionable financials when you actually dig into what it means for the person to make a $200,000 investment to to focusing directly on this idea of learning a valued skill. Yep. I started it because I got a computer science degree and then I got a job and then realized I did not need the degree. And so I just was frustrated that I got ripped off and, uh, I'm not anti-college, uh, but I'm just pro person pro job. And I realized, wow, I really didn't need any student debt, any college degree at all. I want to fix that. And uh, I started a company and, and the whole purpose is to help people avoid student debt and get a job sooner so they can start saving for their 401k sooner. And uh, I, I love every minute of it. Ryan, I'm curious, as far as like real time updates on something like this, that, that's what I've always been struck by with college degrees is it seems like they're, especially in, in coding and computer science, they're potentially years behind, whereas I assume Treehouse can update in real time. Like how much more effective, even if you even if you argued they were the same cost, how much more effective does that make a product like Treehouse as opposed to a traditional four-year computer science degree? It's tremendously more effective. And this is what's wild. So uh, I went to Colorado State, studied computer science, learned C++, and they are still teaching that today. That was 18 years ago. Then I walked into a job and, you know, I was asked to do something completely different. And so we're able to update our curriculum on a daily basis if we need to. A good example is Apple came out with a new program in the language called Swift, which you need to know to build uh, iPhone apps. And we shipped the whole curriculum on the day they announced it. And so we're really nimble. And the overall message I want all the listeners to hear is that there are going to be 1.3 million new jobs in tech, and only 400,000 of those are going to be filled by college graduates. And so there's a 900,000 hole, per, you know, gap there. And those are trade jobs. And I don't know how much, you know, people are listening or when they hear the word trades or trade jobs, how they feel about that. But I've become very bullish on this idea that most of the jobs in the future are going to be actually trade jobs, which is basically a set of stackable skills, right? You learn a skill, you stack on top another skill, you build a project with that skill, and then you learn more. And this is what we do. This is what all of us actually do day to day now. We don't use our college degrees unless we're, you know, uh, doctors. Coding is a trade skill. It's a really creative one. You actually, It's like writing a a screenplay. It's not, you know, computer science or nerdery or engineering or or math or or anything really. It's actually like writing a creative story. And there's so many jobs and they pay crazy amounts of money. I mean, you can get a job in tech with no degree and no experience for $55,000 a year as an apprentice. And then within five years, you'll be making 90 with zero student debt. You know, so I just, I'm a preacher of that message. Hey, don't go into and, and get student debt if you could actually be working a trade job right out of high school. This is the first time I've heard a conversation like this. You know, this is what I have been looking for. I knew it had to be out there, but I didn't know how to get there. What you've created, code schools have been around for a while. I'm thinking about companies like General Assembly and Galvanized. How is Treehouse different than those models? 
So we are 100% online, which means we can be massively affordable. So we have a product called the Tech Degree, which is an online boot camp. So it takes about nine months. You learn one hour a day, uh, usually, you know, when your kids are sleeping or, or on your lunch break, because we're all busy and we all have jobs. And it, it only costs 200 bucks a month. So instead of, you know, the 10 to 15 to $20,000 of a boot camp or the 50 to $100,000 of a computer science degree, you can get through our tech degree in nine months for about 1800 bucks. You pay monthly, you can pause, you can cancel, there's no contract. I think it's the future of education, and I'm so excited that people are using it to change their lives and reskill. Uh, I love it. Hey, Ryan, I'm curious about the apprenticeship that you just talked about. I, I'm not familiar with how that works at all. So just slow down, like, you know, aside from from Treehouse, just like talk to us about that apprenticeship and how that works in coding jobs. You bet. And I'll go even higher and talk about apprenticeship and in, in, in just in any tech job period. And then I'll zoom into to code a little bit. So here's what's happening. You know, I'm 40 now. Anyone that's coming up in tech or already has a job in tech actually got that job by building things, building projects, you know, learning marketing, learning sales. Um, and then they built projects and then I got a job and then got a raise and then, you know, moved to another company and then got another raise. So we've actually all built our skills like tradespeople because the skills change so often. You can't learn them in a four-year degree because they go out of date too fast. So what's happening is that people are entering the industry by building basic projects. Uh, and this is what we'll talk about coding. So in our tech degree, you build 12 projects. They're real world projects that you can then actually take to an employer and say, look what I built. Uh, not, not where I went to school or, or not where I'm from, but look what I built. And this is exactly like a carpenter or an electrician uh, or a florist who can say, Hey, look, I built this deck. You know, I built this house. Um, I created these flower arrangements. People don't care where you learned how to do that. They just look at what you did and if you're a nice person. So apprenticeship works perfectly for that. And the specific way that we're creating apprenticeships now is through a program that uh, we're going to launch on Monday. It will be live by the time this podcast comes out, but it's called Talent Path. And Talent Path is a specific apprenticeship program for tech. And it's really straightforward. We partner with the Boys and Girls Club, and the Boys and Girls Club gives the good news. Hey, there are amazing jobs in tech for you. Tech companies want to invest in you. All you have to do is put up your hand and try coding. And if you like it, then you go into the program. And then on the other end, we have an employer, uh, MailChimp, just installed Talent Path. And at the end of this nine-month journey, uh, MailChimp hires them as apprentices. They get mentored for three months through that apprenticeship. There's a very specific apprenticeship playbook so that that's successful because you can't just throw someone into a company and hope they survive. At the end of that three months, then they graduate to a salaried position of at least $55,000 a year. That's without a college degree. That's without any experience. And this is possible today. Now, regardless of if you know it's Treehouse or Talent Path or coding, I want everyone listening to start to consider the idea that every job they or their kids want to get in the future is actually some sort of technical trade skill. You know, it's learning a tool, it's learning a method, it's building a project, and you're going to learn that probably online for a massively affordable price versus going to college. 
And then you're going to apply for jobs and show your projects. And that's how you're going to get in without student debt. So I, I'm really excited about this idea of apprenticeships coming back because uh, it's how humans got jobs, you know, for thousands and thousands of years until uh, we started all going to college. I have a friend that I was talking to at a recent event that we went to that works for SpaceX. And I was asking him, what does it look like for someone to get a job with SpaceX? I mean, this is kind of one of these sexy companies that has brand name appeal and you would love to be there. What does it actually look like? Does it look like the degree? Is it the skill set? And he said the exact same thing. It's being able to show something that you built, maybe that's stored in a place like GitHub or something along those lines. But that's what it comes down to. Can you do the work? Right. And Elon has even gone on record on video saying this, that he just doesn't care about where you went to school. It literally doesn't matter. And I think we're going to see more and more people thinking this way. So it's really exciting time to be alive. It's also exciting because you can save all that money and invest it. So it's a, it's a win, win, win. You know, I'd love to hear you break down the the economics of something like this and not necessarily with Treehouse, but basically this idea of going to school and following a traditional path versus what it might look like hypothetically for someone to land on this idea of building a technical trade early on, the difference in economy. Have you ever you taken the time to do the math on that? Yes. And it's bonkers. I thought I want to actually do the math. So I have a, a simple retirement planning tool. Here's the way I think about it. You have person A who's an apprentice and you have person B who's a college student. So the apprentice gets out of high school and they have learned a technical trade in high school. So they immediately get a job, but that job doesn't pay super well at first, right? You know, you're talking about around $15 an hour, you know, you're working hard and then you have college student immediately goes into college. They don't earn any income for four years and they're accruing student debt. And then college student graduates and earns more immediately, usually $70,000 or more. Um, Meanwhile, the apprentice has gone from $15 an hour to about 55K a year, which is still significantly less than the 70K, but they have zero student debt and they are immediately saving into their 401k. The college student is not going to save into their 401k. And this is a fact. And I bet you have talked about this a lot in your show. People are waiting to save for their retirement because they have around three to $400 of student debt to pay per month. So they hold off on putting that money into their 401k until their student loans are repaid, which is usually not until their late 30s. You literally plug this into a retirement planner tool and it's astounding the result. And the net difference in your net worth, the difference in your net worth from apprentice to college graduate is millions of dollars. So you are literally spending millions of dollars to get a degree you didn't need, which is insane. Yeah, that is absolutely incredible. And and we talk about opportunity costs here all the time. And that's that's really what you're highlighting, right? That's so it. Someone is going to a four-year college and not only are they not earning, so there's opportunity cost there, but they're spending, who knows, 10, 15, 20,000, all the way up to 60,000 for elite colleges, thousand dollars per year, right? So a quarter of a million dollars, like in that hole, plus then you're arguing they're not investing because they're having to pay back money and not earning all that time. So it, it literally adds up to millions of dollars potentially. It it does. It's crazy. I actually pulled up the, uh, the, the math that I did. And 
the difference in net worth is going to be $2,011,792. Wow. And I love yeah. that you're a uh, spreadsheet geek like the rest of us uh, here. Yeah, and the I can't community. help it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we, we're constantly, again, it, it's this second generation fire. That's what the term we've coined here, which is people, Jonathan and I and, and people our age are kind of first generation in this FI community financial independence. And we're trying to, to lay the groundwork for this second generation. And it sounds like, like an idea like this online learning treehouse in particular, it just is brilliant because as you've said, I've, I've heard you say before, you guys cut out something like 98% of the cost of college and you're giving people skills that they can walk into a job and walk into these apprenticeships and get rolling immediately. Right. And the reason why is we don't have expensive climbing walls or pools or tracks, or we don't have a football team here. I mean, we don't have any of the frankly stupid things that universities are spending money on to attract students in order to get them to spend the student debt dollars. I mean, it really feels like a racket. And I know that there are a lot of colleges that are morally not like that. And there are, there are thousands of moral, amazing people working in colleges, but the system has become corrupt. I just want to open people's minds to that, that you've been told by generations and generations of parents that you have to go to college because that's the path. And that's just not true. So the more that people internalize that and accept it, the better. And it's hard, you know, there is a, there's almost a, a kind of moral attachment in America to the college story, right? You know, you go to college, it's where opportunity happens, you graduate. I mean, it's a really good investment, right? No, it's not. If you do the math, it actually costs you $2 million. So hopefully more people will, will listen. And, and we're already starting to see people understand that. And uh, I think the, the next generation fires are going are, are gonna to actually accept it and say, yeah, it's crazy. Our parents, you know, racked up $60,000 of debt. That was bonkers. Yeah, it's funny that my wife, Laura, and I were having having this exact conversation yesterday. We She had no idea I was chatting with you today, but we were talking about college and we have we have young daughters, right? My, my oldest is nine and it's not going to be that far in the future when we have to consider this. And is there any college degree that you would trade for one year of on-the-job experience? And we're both CPAs. Like we went to great colleges. We learned a, a nice amount, but still it essentially was worthless because we learned more that first year in on, jo- on the job experience than we did in four years of a degree. And it didn't right. matter where you went to college, right? Which is yeah. amazing. It, it's crazy. So the, it's the opportunity cost that you are, that you're always talking about. It is r- really real because not only are you missing out on your retirement income that you should be saving, but you're missing out on what you're learning, which is holding back your career, which is holding back your future earnings. I mean, it's, I haven't even modeled that into this number, but it, that's it's going to make it worse, right? Because you would be going up the ladder faster because you have more. I mean, think about it. Holy cow. You have person A who's an apprentice and person B who's a college grad. The apprentice has four more years of experience before the college grad even finishes school. I mean, four years is a lifetime today, right? Yeah, it's an amazing amount. It's funny because when you were going through, I, I again, I listened to you on another podcast. When you're going through your number, I'm like, I think he's underrepresenting it. I think that's conservative. I think you're right. 
Because yep. you were factoring like student loan debt, but I'm not sure that you necessarily were factoring dollar for dollar how much you're paying for that. Plus, you're going to have four years more of experience and obviously your salary is going to be significantly higher. Exactly. So I, I'm excited we're going to see the change. You know, a lot of our kids are growing up with parents who are crippled by student debt. So I think they're going to be really wary of kind of buying into this story we've been told. I'm excited about that. Dude, I have chills down my spine just thinking about it. I know <laughs> you're right. And your passion comes through for this, which means to me that it must be very easy for you to go present this, not just to the people that maybe are going to be using Treehouse directly for themselves as a consumer. I would imagine that as the founder of this company, you're also taking this to businesses as well. And I'm curious, like, who are you talking to? Not maybe specifically, but this is this is much more than just Google and Facebook and SpaceX looking for employees, right? I mean, that doesn't make up 900,000 jobs that are available <laughs> in America alone. Exactly. So this is what's so exciting. I'm glad you asked. Actually, all the jobs are at these really big, really stable, really interesting companies, you know, not necessarily Tesla or SpaceX, although those are fun. The majority of them are at companies that you might never have heard of or are things you kind of take for granted, like GE or IBM or uh, there's a company I just found called BD. They are hiring thousands and thousands of developers and they can't hire them fast enough out of colleges. So, it's exciting to realize that every company is a tech company now and every company is going to need people who are able to stack digital skills very quickly on top of each other versus a college degree. So it's going to be a fun time to be alive if you are open to this idea of my success in the future is going to require me to stack skills as fast as I can versus get degrees. And then the door is open to anything. Right. It's funny. You keep using that terminology stack skills. I, I constantly am talking about the phrase talent stack. If you've ever read oh, the book, nice. how to fail uh, everything. Yeah. It's the Scott Adams book, uh, how to fail at almost everything and still win big. You should definitely pick that up. It's I need to read that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's brilliant. And I totally hear you. It's about just reading. It's about learning. It's about being open to new information. It's not about one particular path or career. Like, I mean, I could have never envisioned, frankly, that I'd be standing here talking to you on a podcast when four years ago I was sitting in an office as a tax manager doing dopey state tax returns for corporations. <laughs> right. I couldn't have envisioned that, but because, here we are. yeah, here we are. And because I was open to learning how to create a WordPress site and a dropship site after I read the four hour work week and, you know, all these kind of crazy things led me to this point where here we are, as you said. And I'm curious, just going back to college for a second. So you've been involved in multiple startups, obviously through Treehouse, you're a liaison to many different companies. Are there ever instances in the coding world where someone coming out of a four-year degree has a benefit over someone coming out of your program or a comparable one? Are there yes. tangible things that jump out to you right away? You bet. If you can get into Stanford, go. As long as you don't get any student debt, right? So th this is the problem is that for the elite few who can afford that degree and can get in, of course, it's going to help them. But that doesn't apply to 99% of us. And so that it almost doesn't matter, right? There's so many jobs that 
that girl who goes to Stanford and gets that computer science degree is going to instantly get a job, but there are 900,000 other jobs. So yeah, it's, you know, there's great schools out there. They're definitely worth the money if you can afford them without student debt, but, but that's going to be 1% of us. So, right. you know, why really worry or try to pursue that when you can get, you know, almost all the benefit faster without pursuing that uh, period. What about for argument's sake, that same girl who would have went to Stanford and would have went through Treehouse instead using, you know, the same background, the same intelligence, et cetera? I think she'll be better off because of the opportunity cost that we talked about. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very interesting. So Ryan, you know, we talk about these 900,000 jobs and we just explicitly stated that's not necessarily Facebook, Google, and Tesla. I mean, they may be in there, but I would imagine GE for the very reasons we just stated, would have difficulty competing with a Facebook type company, one of these companies that are just on people's minds. And so when we talk about people that are going to Stanford, those elite 1% few versus the rest of us, which I would put myself in that group, from their perspective, what's the incentive for them to align with a treehouse-like company? So if you take a good old-fashioned high-quality company like GE, you're right, they can't recruit talent away from Google. They can't win the talent war and they won't win the talent war. So every time, you know, a computer scientist pops out of Stanford, they immediately get gobbled up by Apple, Facebook, Amazon, Google, et cetera. So they can't even get those folks. So that's going to stop them. And then when they try to recruit new developers, all those developers are being recruited by the sexy companies. So they can't win that either. If they have any developers at the company now, they're going to get recruited away by those companies. So they're going to get crushed. And every CTO and VP of engineering that I've talked to is terrified of this, that deep down they know they can't win the, the talent war. And what are they going to do about it? And so we come in and say, hey, you don't actually have to fight that battle at all. You, you actually have to go to a totally different battlefield uh, and you can actually create your own talent. This is where apprenticeship comes in. If you actually have a little bit longer of a timeline, you know, hey, I'm going to create talent over a year instead of I need to hire someone today. You actually can create a talent pipeline that's sustainable. And here's how it works. You have apprentices come in, they get mentored by your, by your senior level folks. And those senior level folks actually stay a little bit longer because they're meeting their human need of helping another human, right? So they have all this knowledge, they're really smart, but they can't give that to anybody, which is frustrating. But now they have someone they can mentor, they have an apprentice and they can actually pass that knowledge on. So the average length of stay in a tech company now for a developer is 10.8 months, believe it or not. And so someone comes in at month one and they're gone by 10.8, but this idea of that person mentoring allows them to extend that stay. They're probably going to, I mean, let's be conservative and say they stay an extra four months. Well, that's a 40% uplift on retention. So that's a win. And then let's think about the cycle. So that person is mentoring that apprentice. Then that apprentice eventually becomes a senior. And then they mentor the next apprentice. And so they're pulling each other up the ladder and staying at the company longer. That's how companies that aren't going to win the talent war can continue to succeed. And it's just so much fun. That's, that's basically what we help companies do. 
Ryan, I'm curious, and this is my own just lack of knowledge of the coding world, but like, how do you quantify the level of skill in the coding world? Are there ways to explicitly say, hey, I know these 14 skills and I'm working on programs for these three? Like, are there baseline amounts of knowledge that you need to know to even get a job or an apprenticeship? Like, how does that even work just on the ground level? You bet. So let's let's talk about carpentry. Um, if you were trying to hire a carpenter, what would you do? Well, you would look at their work. So, you know, carpenter A is brand new and they show you a little stool they built. You know, it's kind of rough. It's not quite straight. It looks concerning. You know, you're not going to sit on it. It's pretty clear. Oh, this, ah, this person isn't quite where I need him to be. And then you have a carpenter show you a house they built. It's pretty clear. Okay, this person has the skills to do the job. I'm going to hire, you know, the second carpenter. Uh, programming is very similar. So you basically show people your work. As you mentioned, all your work is on a site like GitHub. Usually it's it's a site where you put your code. And so you can actually see people's work. And it's really clear if they have enough knowledge to do the job and the, and the work. And then you just have to check their people skills. Okay, are, are they good at working in with a team, they seem friendly, do they seem proactive? And that's pretty much it. You know, as a technical school, we, you know, have a very long list of very technical things and technical words that we know our students are going to learn when they come out of our tech degree. And we can guarantee that they know them uh, because all the projects are checked and graded. And then we have a final proctored exam that you just can't pass unless you are at a certain level. So it's, it's actually more straightforward than you think. So what, as a developer, what development language right now is the most in demand? JavaScript. It is so hot. <laughs> it's, it's the thing. But you know what's funny about that question is in two years, it'll be something different. In fact, probably in a year, it'll be different. This is another one of those skill stacking opportunities. As soon as, as, soon as you learn how to program, it's like learning Spanish. As soon as you learn Spanish, you can pick up French pretty quickly because it's similar. And coding is the same way. You're going to learn JavaScript probably. And then two years from now, you're going to be asked to learn Go, which is something totally different. And you're going to say, oh, this is kind of similar. I, I can figure this out. And then two years later or 18 months later, you're going to learn something new. So you just keep stacking those skills and you keep updating your uh, your resume. Brian, I'm curious, like a hypothetical. So let's say I'm a 17-year-old kid, right? I'm trying to decide, do I go to a four-year college or do I do something else? And I, maybe I listen to this podcast or I hear something else about Treehouse and I, I head over to the site, you know, nice looking site, obviously. But how do I know? How do I know that I'm going to learn anything? Or if this is just going to be some other random, like, mm. I don't know if I'm going to learn anything at the University of Phoenix or if I'm going to learn right. anything at my local community college even or at my local four-year school. Are there companies that you show people like, hey, we have a direct pipeline into this, or, you know, these companies look at our certifications or our program and, and they consider them valuable, or you can show them your GitHub. Like, what's the elevator pitch of like, hey, this is, this is a great option. You bet. That's a really good question. And I'm going to reverse it on you by saying the most important thing here is that a student can come along and try a school for as little money as possible. So let's think about this. If I could have tried Colorado State for $200, actually if I could could have tried it for free for seven days, 
I would quickly be able to see, ah, does this feel quality? Am I actually being pointed in a very clear direction towards a job? Do I seem like I'm learning things that I actually need in a job? Okay, I think so. So I'm going to end my free trial and I'm going to pay $200 for the first month. And then you go through the first month. It feels great. You're learning. It seems like you're on the right path. But again, you're trusting us a lot, like you said. I mean, you're very much placing your your life in our hands that we're teaching you the right thing for the job. But you still only spent 200 bucks, which is a lot of money, but it's nothing compared to a college experience or even a boot camp, right? So again, the idea is try these things for as affordable price as you can so that you can stop doing it if it's not working versus committing to this crazy idea of a four-year degree, number one, or even a three-month boot camp, which costs $15,000. We're trying to reduce that trial cost down to you know as little as possible. So that's, that's one thing I'd say. But the second thing is, and I, I obviously can only speak for Treehouse, but I've been breathing this and bleeding for this and, you know, sweating for this for eight years, right? So we started Treehouse in 2010 with the sole goal of we can take anyone with grit and we can turn them into a developer that can be hired. That's our whole job. That's all we do. And we've learned how to do it really well. So there's an element of trust, but we're also saying, hey, you know, Worst case scenario, if you decide we're not right for you and you're not getting what you need, the worst case is, is you spent $200 on our tech degree per month. The best case is that you end up getting a job. So we're really trying to make that transparent and clear as best we can. Yeah, that's not opportunity cost. My $168,000 for my <laughs> pharmacy degree that I then decided I wasn't interested in, you know, four Ouch. to eight years after I fit it, got done with it, that's, that's opportunity cost. Yeah. Let's go back. You know, you've been working on this for eight years, but this is not your first startup. I mean, you were early days in the startup culture and you have mm-hmm. a couple ventures that have, were successful before this under your belt and maybe one that wasn't. What inspired you to move from what you were working on before to Treehouse specifically? So, like I said, I got my first job uh, straight out of college. I was a developer, just kind of did that for a while. And then I thought, you know, I think I'm going to start a company. I was really influenced by a guy named Jason Freed who started a company called, they're called Basecamp now, but they were called 37 Signals. Um, and I'd encourage anyone listening to, to just Google Basecamp or, or Jason Freed and, and read their writings because they think different. They're a great company. But they basically said, hey, anybody can build a web app that you can then launch and then charge people monthly for. Anybody can do this. If you have a problem to solve, you can build something and you can earn a living. So it was very much about, you know, financial independence. Hey, if I can learn a skill and I can solve a problem, I can charge people money to solve that problem. And then I can actually make a living out of that. So I had a problem that I I couldn't send large files. (laughs) So this is back in 2004. You couldn't email anything over two megs. And so I thought, gosh, this is kind of a silly thing. Like, I can't believe someone hasn't solved this. So I built a simple web app. Uh, called Drop Send, and booted it up, and and you know I coded it, and we launched it, and it was a mild success, I would say. Um, it earned about twenty five thousand dollars a month after about a year of work, and that was exciting and clearly good money. It was basically me running the company by myself, and and my wife was still working as a journalist, but something deep inside me just kind of said, you know what? 
I don't think we're really making the world better. I, I don't think this really matters on some sort of existential level. And I don't know if I'm okay with that. You know, I'm one of those lucky people that is able to think about stuff like that. Like, not only do I have a job, but is, is my job meaningful to me? And I just decided, you know, I, I feel like I should be doing something more. Um, I was raised in a very religious home, and I'm not particularly religious now, but my principles are very strong. You know, treat other people like you want to be treated, have integrity, serve people, help people. And so I just decided sending large files just doesn't, isn't right for me. So uh, funny story, I actually tried to sell the business publicly on the internet by blogging about it. <laughs> so if you ever want to sell a business, don't do that. It totally, doesn't, <laughs> totally does not work. And so I tried to, you know, I'm selling DropSend. Who wants to buy it? You know, we're going to do like a public auction. It'll be really fun and totally failed. So. Not fun. Not a fun experience. No, not, <laughs> not, not fun at all, and uh, almost killed me. And we ended up selling it to you know one person, and you know got half of what I wanted, and and that's a whole another. That's we need to have that conversation over tequila. So you know moved on from that. So then I decided, you know what, it seems like you can't really learn these technical skills in college. You know I learned all this out of date stuff. I'm learning this stuff by, you know, reading O'Reilly books, which are amazing, or Googling, but there isn't a way to learn these things. This is weird, you know? And so I thought, oh, maybe we could teach people how to code. Like, that would fulfill my need to help people and to empower them. And so we basically thought, let's, let's try to just do an in-person workshop. Like, literally, let's get 30 people in a room. Let's get a smart person and have them teach people how to build a website. We found a smart person and we emailed as many people as we could. This was 2005 and we got 30 people to pay us for that. And they had an amazing day and they thanked us and they were shaking our hands and telling us how great the workshop was. And I realized this is fun. I'm actually helping people and I'm empowering them by giving them technological power. So let's do more of that. So we did another one and it sold out and another one and it sold out. And then I said to my wife, you know, hey, Jill, will you join me in this company? Let's do it together. Like we could, we could build this company together. And uh, she was a successful journalist. So that was a big, you know, risky move for her, but she did it. And we had a really fun time. We traveled the world doing these workshops and, and met a lot of interesting people. And then it was interesting. What I realized in 2010 was I was helping people, but I, I seemed to be only helping people that could afford you know, a thousand dollars to come to this conference or workshop. And I'm not sure I'm actually really moving the needle again. You know, it's great to help wealthy people. I, that's not an immoral thing, but I don't know if that's why I want to get out of bed every day. So we thought, hmm, how can we take this teaching thing that really is working and helpful and needed, but how do we make it more affordable? And how do we make it more accessible? My wife is, is smart and direct. And she said to me while we were brushing our teeth one day, getting ready for work, she said, well, why don't we just hire a teacher, you know, film them and put the videos on the internet and charge people 25 bucks a month. And so that's how Treehouse was born. And that was way back in 2010. That's amazing that this is now eight years later and, you know, many people are hearing about this for the first time, but I have a feeling that it's kind of one of those things that once you hear it, once you start seeing it pop up everywhere, because you guys are blowing up. And I think it really is the future. I mean, it strikes me that 
when my siblings graduated. So when I graduated in pharmacy and I, when Brad graduated as with his accountant degree, like we had jobs waiting for us, but mm. so many people are graduating from college and then asking the question, huh, I wonder what job I can get. That's crazy, <laughs> right. but I have it at least crazy. three people in my family that can make that statement. Uh, and that, you know, they figured it out. You landed somewhere, but it didn't have anything to do with your degree. Right. Um, I mean, that doesn't that sound broken to everybody? If you, if you just say it like it is, it's bonkers. For my mom, it was actually this past year when now everybody is gainfully employed that she just breathed this giant sigh of relief. <laughs> and we're talking about in a field where there are 900,000 jobs. So let's right. bring this back to Treehouse. Like how does it, what are the options that are available for people that are interested in looking into this? So it's really easy to try. So I would recommend you come on Treehouse and you sign up for our free trial for our $25 a month product. That's our most affordable product. It gives you access to all of our videos and just try a very basic course for free for seven days, right? Don't even pay us. And if you think, gosh, this is kind of fun. You know, I feel like I'm solving puzzles. I'm intrigued by what I'm learning. Then upgrade to that $25 a month product, really affordable. You can cancel anytime and learn a little bit more. And then if you decide, ooh, I I like this. This is exciting. I want a job in this then upgrade to our tech degree, which is $200 a month. And that's a very, you know, specific program where we guide you step by step. Here's the project you got to do first. You know, here's how we grade it. We add a Slack channel for you, which is a chat app so that you can talk to other students. You know, it's very guided and it will give you the skills for a job. So just follow that path. And at any time, if you decide, you know what, this isn't for me. I like coding, but I don't see myself getting a job. You've spent a fraction of a fraction of the cost of making that mistake in college. Ryan, I wanted to go back to a couple of things you said because they just jumped out, jumped out at me. I wrote them down immediately. You said something before about anyone with grit. That mm. was your quote. Anyone with grit is like kind of table stakes for you of like someone, how someone can succeed. What does grit mean to you? And like, how do you, how do you look at that? That's a great question. And I've really only realized this as I gotten older in life. There's a book I'd recommend everybody. It's called Grit by Angela Duckworth. It's pretty straightforward. And it's this success in life is not connected directly to uh, natural ability. It's mostly connected to something called grit and grit is the internal ability to keep going when something is hard and so you take natural ability which um, can be from zero to one you know you maybe have zero natural ability at something or maybe you have one you know you're just the best in the world at it naturally because of your genetics and then you have to multiply it by your grit and most of success in life ends up being determined by grit because you just don't give up. And so I would encourage everyone thinking about coding in particular, but just life is that most folks are going to quit because their internal why, their internal reason isn't strong enough. You know, this was like me in basketball. I I had natural ability in basketball, but I didn't really want to play professionally and I kind of ended up quitting. My why wasn't very strong. But I'm never going to quit Treehouse. Like you would literally have to kill me to get me to stop working on Treehouse. So why, why do I have grit for one thing but not the other? And it's because my internal why 
is so strong, uh, it drives that. So folks will think, okay, you know, maybe I should try coding. Coding is hard. I just want to be honest with everybody. It's not something that you will learn, you know, with, with just it's happiness all the time. You have a smile on your face every day. It's, you know, it's kind of like going to the gym, right? It's great, but it's going to be hard. So what's going to keep you from quitting on that? It'll be something that's totally outside of coding. It will be, I want to prove everybody wrong that said that I couldn't, you know, make a certain amount of money. Or I want to build a company that solves problem X, you know, or I want to provide for my family. I want my kids to have a better roof over their head. So that why is really where grit comes from. I believe anybody can attain grit by figuring out what their why is. And it's almost like a learned behavior uh, once you do that. And, and I speak from experience. I, I for a while, I, I believed that what we we're doing on Treehouse mattered on almost a spiritual level. You know, hey, we're literally giving people skills to get jobs, which will change their lives. I think the world is going to bring us success somehow, you know, and, and this is probably a connection to my spiritual roots. I, I don't know why I just thought that was going to happen. And then I had to look at myself in the mirror pretty hard a couple of years ago and say, that's just not true. <laughs> I am going to have to work really hard to help Treehouse succeed. It might not happen if I don't do that ironically, literally being on this podcast and is, a, is an example of that work. So I started to realize, you know what? People don't know about Treehouse a lot of times. I actually have to get out there and I actually have to make sure people hear about it. And once they hear about it, they're going to love it, but they're not going to wake up and say, gosh, we should get that Ryan guy on the podcast because he runs Treehouse, right? <laughs> and so it, this all comes back to grit. I hope everyone's listening can, can start to connect their why and how it's connected to their daily work. And if it's not connected, then they can start looking for that. And then that will drive uh, gritty behavior. Yeah, that's great. I love the focus on your why. And I think you said a couple of minutes ago, you realizing how fortunate you are and mm -hmm. to take a step back, right? And and we talk about that a lot with people pursuing FI, where we're in such fortunate positions where we're saving, you know, 50 plus percent of our income and we're going to have potentially decades back of our lives that really everybody else doesn't have. And that enables you to focus on those higher level things like happiness and what you get out of life, how you can impact the world in a positive way. And it reminds me actually of a quote that you said on a podcast I listened to when you're talking about uh, the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And you said, the reason why it changed my life is it helped me to understand that I need to think first about what the other folks are getting out of this. How mm. can I add value for them before I ask for value back? And I just exactly. thought that was brilliant. Yeah, it was, it was really, really great. I mean, that's what you're doing at Treehouse. You found the passion of your life, just like Jonathan and I have found the passion of our lives, trying to spread this word of, of Phi and this, this understanding of a life that can be just a little bit more optimized. Right. And obviously you're not going to stop. You are passionate about it, just like I'm passionate about Treehouse. And once you find that, the grit comes and, and, and that's so exciting. And I have kind of a funny story I want to share real quick about my mom. You had mentioned your mom, and I was thinking about mine. And again, I was lucky that my parents paid for my college degree. So I literally didn't have student debt. So that's another thing I'm grateful for. 
And I had a conversation with my mom one time where I said, Mom, you know, I'm kind of realizing we don't need college degrees. And I, I'm really focusing a lot on the fact that people don't need college degrees to win anymore. Would you be okay as like a PR stunt if I burned my college degree? <laughs> and, and so she said, she kind of got quiet, you know, and she said, Ryan, you can do that if you pay me back for it. <laughs> I, just, uh, I was hoping mom. she was going to say Touché that. mom. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. I just thought, oh, that's clever mom. You're right. Okay. I'm not going to burn it. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I love my parents. I mean, I'm, again, I'm lucky. I'm lucky that they loved me and, and cared for me. And I just want people to have a chance to get a job they love that pays a living wage without having to go through the mistake of student debt. So that's one thing that people walk away from this podcast today is that there is another path. And I think we will have succeeded today. Ryan, this entire conversation, it's just chills down my spine because this is a different way of looking at the problem. And honestly, you are the person we've been trying to find and people like you that have tackled the problem differently. It changes the entire worldview that all of us have just thought that we're subject to. And it gives you a way to have some level of control over the outcome. It's incredibly empowering. So normally when both shows, this would be the end of the episode. We'd love to give you the chance to tackle the hot seat. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. In a world drowning in debt and rampant consumption, trapped by the chains of lifestyle inflation, these questions highlight the secrets of those who have broken free. Welcome to the Choose FI Hot Seat. Question number one, your favorite blog of all time. Wait, but why? Tim Urban. Very nice. That's a brilliant blog. It's life-changing and it's a long read. It's so much fun. And you'll love it. Just open it up on a Saturday morning with a cup of coffee and dig in. It's great. All right, Ryan, question number two, your favorite article of all time. Sadly, it's going to come from Wait, But Why? And it is about the rise of SpaceX and what Elon Musk is doing. It's, it's, I think it's like a four-part series, and it is amazing. You have to read it. We'll definitely link to it in the show notes. Now, this will be an interesting one from you. Question number three, your favorite life hack. Oh, gosh. It is waking up early, number one. So I get up at 4.30 every day. And the reason why I do that is because I have used a Gantt chart for my year. So I break my year down into clear buckets and what I want to accomplish at a high level. And then I open that every day and then I translate what I should be doing into a bullet journal, which is a written uh, to-do list. And that allows me to focus and uh, not get distracted by all the screens in my life on what is truly important for me this year. Now, Brad is a productivity nut and right now is flipping <laughs> out. He has like eight follow-up questions. I guarantee it. But he's going to have to ask you offline because we're going to move into question number four. <laughs> Your biggest... <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> no problem, buddy. Your biggest financial mistake. Oh, boy. My biggest financial mistake was going to college because I wasn't getting a job right away and learning. All right. Question number five, the advice you would give your younger self. Work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard. I just didn't get that early that the way I was going to win was by putting in the work. And I don't mean sacrificing my family. So I squeeze in work early in the morning, 
and then I, you know, spend time with my wife, we have breakfast and then I work real hard and then I come home at six. So I'm just really disciplined about working very hard in the time that I should be working. Do you do a good job shutting off treehouse? Like at the carved out times, maybe the weekends, maybe the evening. Are you, do you feel like you give yourself a solid A on your ability to check out when you need to? You know, I don't technically work. I don't have meetings and I don't check email, but my brain is always thinking about Treehouse. So I wish I was a little better at that. Sometimes I feel like I go into, you know, dreamy mode where I'm thinking about Treehouse instead of listening to my amazing nine-year-old tell me about his rocket drawing. So I'm working on that. Yeah, same here. We do have a bonus question for you. Let's do it. Favorite purchase made on Amazon.com last year, or if not Amazon, favorite purchase made in general? I bought a large rubber ducky about two days ago, and I'm really happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just add that to the list of answers I did not expect. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a total blast. Uh, it's been so fun. And keep up the good work. You are doing amazing work, and I just want to tell you that. I keep going. It's so important. Onward. All right. Take care. Brad, this was it, man. This is the missing piece of the puzzle. You know, I think... It's so easy to complain about the state of economy, to complain about where jobs are going, to complain about just how difficult life seems. But I think so many of us get stuck in this identifying the problem, but not going out of our way to look for solutions. And the FI community, more so than any other community that I've met, has had this eternally optimistic perspective of how do we solve the problem. And in my mind, the second generation FI problem is... And the one that I've had the most trouble with is that college is broken. And if you can solve that first step, you know, going back to the episode that we have with Scott Trench talking about that first piece is getting that $50,000 a year job. Everything gets easier once you can get to there. This episode solves that in my mind definitively. Yeah, I hear you, Jonathan. I, it definitely was an eye opener for me too. I, I think like you, college is the thing that that vexes me the most for the FI community for second generation fire for my own family. I mean, I have a fourth grader and these years fly by really quickly. We're talking eight years from now, she's going to be heading off to college and that scares the heck out of me. I mean, it is a huge financial burden for something that I'm not sure what kind of value it has. Dubious value at best. Like I said in the episode, we literally just had this conversation, Laura and I, about what is a college degree worth? What does it look like? What is this going to look like for our kids? And and it really does scare me. But knowing that there are companies like Treehouse out there, they they may be one of the first, but I assure you, they won't be the last. And that's what's cool about this. This is, well, this is an amazing thing for people who are looking for coding jobs. For me, it's more like the paradigm shift. And that's what I always want to bring to this podcast is, is larger issues, right? So the larger issue is from our perspective, college is broken and it's absurdly expensive. As Ryan said, there's this ridiculous opportunity cost of years of your life and potentially a quarter of a million dollars plus debt that you're paying off for years to come. So that's the problem. And how do we fix that? How do we get people jobs without taking years and going into debt? And A solution like this is a really brilliant one and it teaches you skills that you can stack on top of each other. So, so I love the paradigm shift. That's the big takeaway for me. To our audience, if you got a kick out of this episode, stay tuned on Friday. Brad and I are breaking an awesome announcement. If you enjoyed the show, if you've been getting value from the episodes and you want to support us in what we're doing here at Choose FI, here are four easy ways. 
One, leave us an iTunes review. If you want to do that, just go to chooseify.com slash iTunes. Two, use our page to sign up for travel credit cards. If you want to travel the world with miles and points instead of your hard-earned dollars, then just go to chooseify.com slash cards and get started today. Three, if you're working on the milestones of Fi, set up a personal capital account to track your progress and use our affiliate link. It's completely free. And just go to choosefi.com slash PC. P as in Paul, C as in Cat. And four, and most importantly, find your friends, coworkers, and family members who might be open to this message and tell them about the podcast. Have them start with episode 38, The Why of Fi. And right behind that, have them go listen to episode 21, The Pillars of Fi. It is a fantastic starting place. All right, my friends, the fire is spreading. We'll see you next time as we continue to go down the road less traveled. You've been listening to Choose FI Radio Podcast, where we help middle-class America build wealth one life hack at a time.